And so it was when Ahijah heard the sound of her footsteps as she came through the door. He said, come in, wife of Jeroboam. Can you imagine that? She has, he has no idea because they didn't have, you know, text messages back then. It wasn't like a neighbor, you know, from a town on his way. He says, oh, by the way, it looks like there's a, a, the prophet is coming. Or, you know, um, Ahijah, there's a, Jeroboam's wife's coming. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. The Lord said to Ahijah, Here is the wife of Jeroboam coming to ask you something about her son. The woman's disguise and Ahijah's blindness didn't matter because God told Ahijah the truth of the matter. From this, the wife of Jeroboam learned two things. First, that the news was bad. Second, that though she thought she was sent to Ahijah by her husband, in truth, Ahijah was sent by God with a message to her and Jeroboam. Nothing is hidden from our God. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he continues in chapter 14 in the book of First Kings. He says, When you beget children and grandchildren and have grown in the land... And you act corruptly and make a carved image in the form of anything, and you do, you do evil in the sight of the Lord, your God, the Lord your God, to provoke him to anger. I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that you will soon utterly perish from the land which you cross over the Jordan to possess. You will not prolong your days in it, but will be utterly destroyed, and the Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and you will be left few in number among the nations where the Lord will drive you. And here's the verse, and there, will, and there you will serve gods, the work of men's hands. Does that sound familiar? Wood and stone, which neither see, nor hear, nor eat, nor smell. Isn't that the idol that Jeroboam had erected in these two different centers? An idol that could not see, couldn't smell, couldn't hear. It was baseless. It was nothing. And yet we see this very same thing happening that God had warned them of. And you know, God never, he, he repeats himself over and over again. And you know, as you read the word of God, don't be put off by the repetition of certain themes and certain ideas. It's there for a reason, and the proof of it is because we just don't learn. <laughs> repetition is the best way to learn. And in grade school, the kids learn how to sing by singing the, pre- the Pledge of Allegiance. You can put anything to a song and the kids will learn it. And they learn by repetition. God does the same thing. Because after all, we are children of God, after all, right? And I need that repetition. And may, I never, may my heart never grow cold to the repetition. Because I need to be reminded. Because any little moment I can slip. Is anybody aware that, of the feebleness in, of your own heart? Have you ever experienced that moment where you're like, wow, Lord, if you didn't have your hand on me, I could slip right now. 
so easily. And the Lord's going, I know. And why do I keep saying these things? Why do I keep warning and encouraging? It's because I don't want you to go down that path. Because if you do, I have to bring the consequences. Because I can't deny who I am. God can't deny who he is. He can't just give you a get out of jail pass. This is not monopoly. He can't just say, you know, you, you meant well and you know you messed up. No, he's not going to treat it lightly. He says crucify that thing and confess it and be healed and be set free. And so these are gods of gold that cannot see. Remember, even in Daniel, in Daniel chapter 5, when Daniel was speaking to Nebuchadnezzar's grandson, who, had, who after Nebuchadnezzar had passed and his son had passed from the scene, now we have Belshazzar in, the, um, in that room as a, as a co-regent, if you will. And, 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 and remember, there was the writing on the wall, and Belshazzar was there, and his knees were knocking together because he didn't see the arm, but he only saw the hand basically writing in, uh, in Farsi. <laughs> many, many, take you Farsin. You, you've been found wanting, and you're lacking, and your days are numbered. Your, your gig is up tonight. And what did he say? What did Daniel say to him? Daniel said to Belshazzar, he says, And you have praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze and iron, wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know. And the God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways, you have not glorified. And so we see the very same thing happening, happening here. But it's insanity when somebody knows the truth but willingly doesn't obey. And such was Jeroboam. That's why he, he, will, he knew the truth in his heart, but he's will, he, he was unwilling to obey. And so this proud man, this proud idolater, he can't go to the prophet himself. He sends his wife. What a betrayal of soul. That's hypocrisy. It's a betrayal of soul. And Jeroboam said to his wife, please arise and disguise yourself that, you, that, that they may not recognize you as my wife and go to Shiloh. Remember, Shiloh was originally the location of the Ark of the Covenant and the tabernacle. It had been there for many hundreds of years, going back from the very beginning of Joshua and Joshua 18. But notice, indeed, Ahijah the prophet is there who told me that I would be king over this people. And um, you might want to make a note off in your Bible at this point and just write in chapter 11, uh, of course, in this same book, 1 Kings, but chapter 11, verse 29 through 39, because that's when the prophet Ahijah had told Jeroboam, remember he met him out in the field and he parted his garment and tore it in, 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 in pieces and gave uh, ten pieces to Jeroboam, symbolically showing him that God was going to give him those ten tribes. Well, so he, he goes there, and I, and I imagine that this experience that Jeroboam had with the prophet was good news for Jeroboam. And so he's thinking to himself, well, my child is very sick. And I know I can go back to the man. Perhaps I'll receive a favorable news. Maybe I'll receive favorable news, just like I did the first time. And he says, he says to his wife, Also take with you ten loaves, some cakes, and a jar of honey, and go to him, and he will tell you what will become of the child. And I, I thought about this, and, and not to read too much into this, but ten loaves. You know, and I thought to myself, perhaps he was giving a loaf for each of the ten tribes that he was king over, perhaps. 
And it may have been customary to bring a prophet or a seer, a gift like that. But I also think in here is a little bit of warming up to Ahijah, giving him these things. And it wasn't a great deal either. But God cannot be bribed. He cannot be bribed. He doesn't need money. He doesn't need anything. Oh, but people do. Remember, um, I think it was Elisha and his servant Gehazi. Remember that? Willing to receive a prophet when Elisha said, no, I don't, I don't want a prophet. He, I don't want a, a gift from you, from the king of, of Syria. But he goes back to his house and Gehazi follows the entourage and wants to receive something for this miracle that God had done by opening their eyes so that they could see the armies all around. But God cannot be bribed. And a faithful prophet will say whatever the Lord tells him to say, and he won't just say what he wants to say because there's a gift coming in the mail. There's a check coming in the mail. There's an honorarium given to him. He's got to speak the truth. If he's a true prophet, he will do that. But we know that there were a lot of false prophets. But this man was not one of them. So Jeroboam's wife did so, verse 4. She arose, she went to Shiloh, And came to the house of Ahijah, but Ahijah could not see, for his eyes were glazed by reason of age. So by this time, I'm sure he's probably got cataracts, and they didn't have the fancy surgery that many of you have had, where you can go and and get it done and clear up all this all this noise in your in your lenses. So he was an older man, and this was happening to him, and he couldn't even see. This place called Shiloh uh, again is is in the district of, the, of Israel, in the northern ten tribes, just um, about ten miles, or excuse me, Shiloh was north of Judah, and um, uh, and then in verse 5, excuse me, the Lord said to Ahijah, and so Ahijah's there in his home, And the Lord speaks to him and says, uh, here's the wife of Jeroboam coming to ask you something about her son, for he is sick. And then the Lord begins to tell him what to, how to respond to her. And, and you, you can't, again, you can't bribe God, and you certainly can't pull the wool over his eyes. He is the good shepherd. Are you going to pull the wool over the good shepherd's eyes? You can't do it. It's like playing chess with Jesus. He could tell you the end game before it even begins. He can say your your king is mated. Checkmate. Well, how can you say that? Well, you're going to move B three bishop to B three and your rook to you know C seven and you know and he's going through all the things and this is what you're going to do next by the way and then I'm going to take your knight and then I'm going to take your pawn and then your bishop's going to go and then all your pawns I'm going to take those and then finally I'm going to corner you and then I'm going to move in for the kill and God can do that. You can't pull the wool over his eyes. He's omniscient. He's all knowing. He's omnipresent and he's omnipotent. He alone is all three of those things. There is no one like him. And isn't that why we worship him? You know, what a poor substitute for someone to worship the devil, who is none of these things. A powerful angel, yes. But Almighty God and equal with God, or even equal with Jesus, not a chance. Not a chance. God is all-powerful. And the word of God is powerful. 
more powerful than a two-edged sword, able to divide between the bones and the marrow and the, and the soul and the spirit, discerning the hearts of man. That's how sharp it is. It's like a two-edged sword. Happy is the man who knows the word of God. Happy is the woman who knows the word of God. Amen? And so it was when Ahijah heard the sound of her footsteps as she came through the door. He said, come in, wife of Jeroboam. Can you imagine that? She has, he has no idea because they didn't have you know, text messages back then. It wasn't like a neighbor you know, from a town on his way. He says, oh, by the way, it looks like there's a, a, the prophet is coming. Or you know, um, Ahijah, there's a, Jeroboam's wife's coming and she's dressed up. You know. There's none of that. But God had something better. His spirit. <laughs> he knew exactly what was happening. And he not only identified her before she walked in, but he also gave her the answer for why she had come. And she hadn't even given her given the question. But God had already had it planned what he was going to do. And the irony here is very striking because you think about this. A man who was spiritually blind, meaning Jeroboam, came to see a man of God who was physically blind, but could see spiritually and wouldn't foil... By the word of the Lord, this de- and would foil, excuse me, he would foil this deception, this plot of Jeroboam and his wife. Over and over again, isn't that wonderful how the Lord can use? He says, you, don't, you can see without seeing. And Jeroboam could see, but this old man could not see, but yet he was seeing everything because God was showing it to them. So much about that that's so amazing. Remember, Jesus called the Pharisees the blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, they both will fall into a ditch. They, the Pharisees were spiritually blind. And it's possible to have all of your faculties. It's, it's possible to have eagle vision and be spiritually blind. And such is the case today. But notice in verse 7, it goes on. It says, Go tell Jeroboam, thus says the Lord God, because I exalted you among the people and made you ruler over my people, and I tore the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it to you, and yet you have not been as my servant David who kept my commandments and who followed me with all of his heart to do only what is right in my eyes. Now, again, I have to mention this because it's an important fact. David made some really huge mistakes, did he not? Adultery and murder, I would say those are pretty huge. Most of us in this room have not committed murder, at least physically. Many of us, hopefully none of us, have committed adultery, but we all have probably in our past. And maybe even mentally. But David did both of these things. But what, what, what was it about David? Because you're going to see as we go along in the Word of God that God is always comparing kings to David. And the reason being is that when he fell, David repented. And David was a changed man. And his heart was always single toward the Lord, even in his gross error and his sin. He made some really boneheaded things, but he never departed from God. He did some stupid things. Anybody here do stupid things or have done stupid things? I've done stupid things. But I love God with all my heart. But David never stopped following the Lord and doing his will. That's the difference. That's the difference. Unlike Saul, unlike Solomon even, and certainly unlike Rehoboam or Jeroboam. So David is the benchmark that God uses in spite of his failures. And I love that because God overlooked his failures now and says, I don't see those things because they're under the blood now. I've forgiven him. 
and he's a changed man. But notice, when he says this, and I've torn the kingdom away from the house of David, and I gave it to you, and you shall be, uh, but you've not been like my servant. You've not followed me as David did to do what was right in my eyes, and because God is not a respecter of persons. He doesn't show partiality to anyone when it comes to sin. So thus far, this rebuke from God to Jeroboam is very reminiscent of the rebuke that he had given to Saul, Israel's first king, and also David and Solomon. In fact, it reminds me a great deal of Saul because the same prophet who anointed them, meaning Samuel for Saul and Ahijah for Jeroboam, each one of them pronounced them king, but they were also the ones who had to pronounce judgment upon him. I'd like for you to write some things down here, and I'm just going to read these things to you for the sake of time. But in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 10 through 26, and we're going to be speaking about Saul. Now remember what we just read, because the Lord is basically pronouncing judgment upon Jeroboam. And we're going to find that he did the same thing for Saul. He did the same thing for David. He's going to do the same thing for Solomon. And now he's doing the same thing to Jeroboam. And God is not a respecter of persons. In 1 Samuel 15, verse 10, it says this. And this is after Saul, Israel's first king. After he didn't destroy the Amalekites as the Lord had commanded him, the Lord finally uh, brought him to task on this. And he says, Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I, regret, I greatly regret that I've set Saul up as king, for he has turned uh, back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night, And so when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul went to Carmel, and indeed he set up a monument for himself. And then let me just skip down to the bottom uh, bottom of this in verse 15. And Saul said, they have brought them, uh, because, actually i got to back up to verse 14. So Saul was supposed to get rid of the Amalekites to destroy them, everything, But Samuel said, What then is the bleeding of the sheep I hear in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have, they, notice, they have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. And then Samuel said to Saul, Be quiet, and I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said, Speak on. And Samuel said, Why? When you were little, now doesn't this remind you of what we just read just a few moments ago? When God was rebuking Jeroboam, he says the same thing. A very similar thing now to Saul. When you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? And now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and I've gone on the mission of which the Lord sent me. And I brought back Agag, king of Amalekites, I've destroyed every, you know, I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites, but Agag is still alive. Doesn't he include, isn't he included as the Amalekite? And what, what about the bleeding of the sheep and the lowing of the oxen? And then he blames it on the people. And finally, in verse 22, Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed than the fat of rams, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. 
And he said the same thing to Jeroboam. What about David? Remember in David, in 2 Samuel chapter 12, you might want to write this one down, and all, all, all four of these kings, the Lord does the same thing. And that's my point in this whole thing. God, he doesn't just take Jeroboam because he's this rotten idolater and doing all these evil things. No, he took Israel's first king, Israel's second king, Israel's third king, and now he's going to hit him because they've all failed in some way. And there was judgment. In 2 Samuel 12, Nathan said, You are the man. You're the one who took this ewe lamb from the field and fed it to your neighbor. Instead of, you're the one who took Bathsheba out of Uriah's house and did this. And notice what God says. I anointed you, David, king over Israel. Does this sound familiar? It's almost the same words in a way. I anointed you king over Israel, delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I would also have given you much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife. And you've killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house, David. Because you have despised me. And you've taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. And he goes in and, 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 and down at the bottom. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. However, because of this deed, you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. And the child also who is born to you shall surely die. There's the consequence. There is the hammer blow. And the hammer blow would continue throughout David's life and the life of his family. But what about Solomon? We just looked at that not too long ago in 1 Kings chapter 11. Verse 9 through 13, after Solomon had built all of these shrines to all these pagan gods of the wives that he had had, it says the Lord became angry with Solomon. This is 1 Kings 11, verse 9. The Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods. And notice, therefore the Lord said to Solomon, because you have done this, and have not kept my commandment and my statutes, which I commanded you. I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. And he was speaking of Jeroboam. Nevertheless, I won't do it in your days. For the sake of your father, I will tear it out of the hand of your son. However, I won't tear the whole kingdom. I will give one tribe to your son. And, and, uh, and for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem, he'll give the rest to Jeroboam. And so when you see this, God is not a respecter of persons. And he's not a respecter of persons with you and I. We see big names, big Christian names, and big pastors over mega churches, and no one is exempt. God will chasten anyone, whether they're his child or not. If they are in sin, he will chasten them and even bring judgment upon that sin. So how important is it for us to be watchful over our own hearts? In 1 Kings 11, so the Lord is using Ahijah the prophet to speak to Jeroboam concerning the sins of Solomon and of Judah and a warning for Jeroboam in 1 Kings 11 verse 29. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Kings.
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.